0: Thanks, Andrew. Well, good morning. Good morning. Let's try it again. Good morning. good morning. Good morning. It's good to see this morning. It's good to see you that are joining us online. We're glad that you are with us. And like Andrew said, we're going to be in Luke chapter 8 together. We're starting a new sermon series this week. We just finished a sermon series in Luke chapter 6. We called it, called it How to Build the Unshakable Life and now we're going to move forward and into Luke chapter 7 and 8 and see what Jesus is doing in his ministry there. I'm looking forward to that. But as we get into that, uh, two things quickly. One is I hope after this service you can join us uh, in the park for lunch uh, after this service. We'd love to see you there. We're going to meet at Beaverbrook uh, and, and have lunch together. It's BYOL, so you bring your own, and we'll gather together. And then also some of you have, have heard, you've seen the email Or you know that one of the things that Mount Hope does, and I think this is a a great blessing both to the pastors at Mount Hope and also to the congregation, is that every seven years of ministry, Mount Hope offers its pastors a sabbatical. And I'm so grateful for that. And it's hard for me to believe that the last sabbatical I took was in 2014, which means now, uh, seven years later... And Pastor Rick, uh, our pastor from our Burlington campus, our senior pastor, he's currently on his sabbatical. We happen to start full-time ministry together in the same year. So he is on his sabbatical currently in July and August. I'm going to be on my sabbatical in the months of August and September. And the best way I can describe sabbatical is that it is purposeful rest. Purposeful rest, and it's a good thing. Something that God talks about in scripture And and many of you have asked me what I plan to do on my sabbatical, so I'll give you a a real quick uh, synopsis or summary of, of one of the things I hope to do. When I look back in 2014, we were getting ready to plant this congregation here and to plant this church in 2014. And it was a real blessing to have time to go away and seek the Lord's will and hear his voice as to what he had Uh, for this church. And we opened in September 2015, which means this coming September is going to be six years that we've been in this place. And as Jeanette can attest to, there's been a congregation here much longer than six years, but it's been Mount Hope for the last six years. And so it's a real blessing to be able to step away from week to week pastoring and preaching and ministry in these months and say, okay, God, it's been six years. What do you have next for us as a congregation? What do you have next for us? And so we're going to spend some time with family that we don't often get to see in the month of August, but really the bulk of my sabbatical is going to be trying to seek the Lord's face and seek His will. Say, God, what do you have for us? And really having that space and time to listen. So I appreciate that. It's a real blessing. And if anyone has any questions about it, I'm more than happy to to talk through that. But but, uh, I'll miss you on those two months, and Andrew will be preaching in those months, and Justin will be preaching in those months, and then we have a few guests that will be here, and so you can look forward to that. I do have a question for you as we get into this passage in Luke chapter 8 this morning. And my question for you this morning is, when you think about growing in your walk with God, when you think about success, in, let's say, building the unshakable life, as we've talked about over the last six weeks. When you think about success and growing deep in a relationship with God, how do you measure success? I mean, in your own life, how do you measure that you're actually doing what you're supposed to be doing, that you're moving forward? How do you know week to week that you're trending in the right direction? And then I think another question that goes along with that is how do we, Burlington, Belmont, online, how do we as Mount Hope, how do we know that we're moving forward? How do we know that what we're doing is working? I think that for most of us, the way we evaluate whether or not what we're doing in ministry, in in our personal lives, or corporately as a church, one of the ways that we evaluate that, and every ministry I've ever been a part of has evaluated it this way, and that is we evaluate whether or not we are having success by how many people show up. That's how we measure success often. How many people show up? And then on the individual side, we measure our success as to whether or not we show up. Like if we show up, we've we've done what we're supposed to do that that we show up to church, we show up online, we show up here in person and we've done something. Like that's that's what success looks like is, is to get people to show up and then when we're part of the people that are showing up, we have we have succeeded. We've done what we're supposed to do. And we picture maybe that God's up in heaven with this giant poster board and all of our names are on the left-hand side and there's boxes for every Sunday that we're going to live in our lives and hopefully for many of us there's a lot of boxes left and that every Sunday when we when we show up that God gets out his stickers and he puts a star sticker right in that square because we showed up and that's a success and I think that that's how many of us evaluate success in ministry and in growth because quite frankly it's a really hard thing to evaluate how do you know that you're moving forward how do you know that you're growing One of the things we're going to see in this passage today is Jesus gives us, I think, a measure by which we can determine whether or not we're trending in the right direction, whether or not you and I are moving in the right direction. And the thing we're going to see very specifically in this passage that we're in today is that Jesus doesn't measure success in ministry and growth and relationship with him the same way we often do meaning that it's not just about who shows up or how many show up, but it's actually about something else all together. As we come to this passage in Luke chapter 8, and if you're And if you're walking with us and you know we just finished Luke chapter 6, you're wondering what in the world happened to Luke chapter 7, we're circling back, I promise. But we're going to kind of ground the events of Luke 7 and Luke 8 in this passage right here at the beginning of Luke chapter 8. And when we start this passage, what we find is we find Jesus moving from city to city and town to town uh, doing his ministry. In fact, this is exactly how Luke says it in chapter 8, verse 1. He writes, soon afterward, he, that's Jesus, went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God, and the 12 were with him. Luke paints this picture that what Jesus is doing after he finished that sermon on the plane that we just spent the last six weeks in, after he finished that big moment, now he's moving from city to city and town to town, and he is proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God that he has established. And there's something really important here that I want us to pause and notice for just a moment, and that is how the kingdom of God is being established by Jesus. Historically and in our world, kingdoms are established a certain way. Kingdoms can be established through force. And certainly you look through history, there's plenty of kingdoms that have been established through armies and weapons and and blunt force, brute force, that they take over a group of people and they say, now you are a part of our kingdom. We are in charge. That's how kingdoms grow throughout our world and in history. Sometimes kingdoms grow because a group of people get together and they come up with some corporate ideas and some corporate rules and they elect one person to be in charge and kingdoms begin that way. That's how kingdoms can grow. But the kingdom of God grows very differently. The kingdom of God, we see here, grows through word of mouth. It doesn't grow through some sort of governance structure. It doesn't grow because one army is stronger than another army. It grows because people go and proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And I want you to hang on to that as we get into what Jesus says next. That the kingdom of God spreads. It is established through word of mouth. It is proclaimed. And what is that good news? The good news that Jesus is telling from city to city and town to town? It's the good news that we've talked about as we've walked through the gospel of Luke. That God created the world exactly how it's supposed to be. But that world became disordered became fragmented and broken, the reality of sin in this world and the reality that we have chosen to walk away from God. But Jesus comes, God's Son, fully God and fully man, to begin a process of reordering and remaking creation. Jesus comes to open up the door so that you and I might have a relationship with God Through him. And that is the good news that he's going from town to town and city to city proclaiming. And the way the kingdom is expanding is that people are hearing and responding. We notice if you jump down to Luke chapter 8, verse 4. We notice that the result of this ministry, of Jesus going town to town and city to city, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, is that the crowd is. Growing And based on everything that I have have experienced in ministry, everything that you've experienced in ministry, when the crowd grows, it begins to feel like everything is successful. When more people show up and more people travel, in fact, they were coming from the the towns Jesus had traveled to into one giant big crowd. And I can imagine the disciples that were with him, the other people that were with Jesus, they were looking at this giant crowd and thinking to themselves, this is amazing Luke writes it like this and when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him you can imagine the scene that Jesus has spoken in front of people already Jesus has gone into towns and cities and he's healed as we'll see in Luke chapter 7 when we circle back and now here he is this big moment a great crowd had gathered. Just last week, we were flipping through the TV stations, and up popped an old Billy Graham crusade. I don't know if you remember those or if you've ever seen one of those. I'm guessing based on the hairstyles, this was like 1986. It just seemed like 1986 to me when they panned the crowd. And at one point, Billy Graham was preaching, and I, I love a good Billy Graham sermon, so we parked ourselves there on that channel for a little while. And at one point, the, the camera panned away. And I don't know if you ever saw one of those or remember those crowds, but it wasn't just a large church when he would speak. It was an entire arena. And as the camera panned away, there was 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 people all listening to this sermon. And I got to tell you, the thing that hit me when I saw that scene was, that is amazing. Look at that crowd. All I could see was the crowd. And I can imagine, I can imagine the disciples, the other people that have been following Jesus, looking out across all these people and being so caught up and impressed at the crowd that had gathered. This is a success. The person least impressed by the crowd that showed up is Jesus himself. Jesus is not overwhelmed by the crowd. In fact, he uses this as an opportunity to teach his disciples and to teach you and me something about the reality of the crowd. He uses it as an opportunity to remind us that success in ministry, success in your walk with Jesus Christ is not just about getting people to show up or showing up. It's actually about something else that happens once You're there. I'm sure the disciples thought to themselves, Jesus has saved whatever. I don't know what the best miracle is. You can hear them talking to each other. I'm not sure what the best miracle is. I'm not sure what the best teaching is, but Jesus has certainly saved it for this moment. Jesus does something else. When he sees the crowd, he tells them a story. He tells them a parable, Luke says. And this is what it is, verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil, and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's it. The great crowd gathers all of these people, and Jesus doesn't pull out his best miracle. Jesus doesn't doesn't pull out some dramatic teaching from the Old Testament to impress everybody. Jesus looks at this crowd that has gathered, and he looks at his disciples, and he says, you want to understand what's going on here? here? Here's how you can understand it. A farmer goes out into his field, and he has over his shoulder a bag of seed, and he casts his seed out into the field. And some of it fell on the pathway, and the birds ate it, and some of it fell in shallow soil, and it sprung up and died, and some of it fell among weeds, and those weeds choked it out, and then some of it fell on good soil, and it... it grew up and yielded a crop. If you have ears to ears, here, here. And I think the disciples are a little bit confused. I think it almost seems like when I read this text that it was almost a little bit of a letdown. That here in front of the great crowd, we didn't get the biggest miracle. We got this simple story. So what is Jesus saying? You see the disciples here in verse 9. When the disciples, when, and when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, and we'll get this, but can you imagine the disciples coming here? Here's this great crowd, and they're seeing all of this happen, and then Jesus tells this simple story, and then the disciples come up to him, and they're like, Jesus, what was that all about? Why that story? And this is what Jesus says. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, listen, I'm teaching you something about the crowd. That if you want to know whether or not the crowd ministry is, being effect, is effective among the crowd, and you want to know whether or not you're growing in your own walk with Jesus Christ, or if your own walk with God, what you need is not an attendance chart. It's not about just counting who shows up and whether or not you show up. That's certainly important. But Jesus is saying to his disciples, look at the crowd. Not everyone in this crowd is going to get it, he tells them. You'll get it. You understand. But not everyone in the crowd, just because they showed up, just because they're here, doesn't mean we've done the work that we are supposed to do. Because there's many in the crowd that aren't going to understand, he tells his disciples. So when you see the crowd, Jesus says there's four people in the crowd. And if Jesus was here in this room this morning, speaking to this group here and this group that's watching online, he would say there's four people in the room. And the first group is this. The first group are those who, when they hear the word of God, Don't listen at all. We have to take note and pay attention that the seed is the word of God. This is the seed. And Jesus is not so very much concerned with the sower. We're not sure who the sower is. But we know for sure because he tells us that the seed is the word of God. And when this goes out, what matters is not whether you show up. What matters is once you show up, how do you hear and receive this? And he said, there's a person in the crowd, there's people in this room, there's people in Jesus' crowd, that when this word goes out, when the seed is thrown, you, it's not going to take root in your life or in your heart quite simply because you're not going to let it. You won't even listen. You won't consider It's like when you're trying to talk to someone and their face is buried in their phone. I'm certainly guilty of that. And you know that the person is hearing that there's words coming out of your mouth, but you know nothing's getting in because they're so consumed with this screen. And Jesus is saying that's like the word of God falling on the path. Like it goes out and it's out there, but it doesn't get in. Nothing's being taken in. Because your ears are shut down. And the result of that is that you do not have an opportunity to believe, Jesus says, and you do not have an opportunity to be saved. And even if you do not think that the word of God is the word of God, even if you do not think and buy into the reality that Jesus is who he says he is, if this is what is at stake... The opportunity to be saved. The opportunity for relationship with God for all eternity. Don't you at least owe yourself the chance to hear and consider? But Jesus says, look at the crowd. There's some people that said they showed up. Yeah, they're here. But they're never going to hear. And it matters more the hearing than the fact that they showed up. Jesus says there's a second group. And the second group are those, the seed that fell among the rocky soil, that it springs up quickly with joy. That you get excited about Jesus and who he is, and you get excited about the word of God and what God's going to do. But in times of testing and trial, because the roots are not deep, that faith fades away. And Jesus says there's some in the crowd, they're really excited about what's happening here because we're doing miracles And there's a lot of of excitement around what we're doing. But when this seed falls, it's not growing deep into their life. I think for many people, Jesus becomes some sort of life hack. That we just want a better life. And so maybe Jesus will help. We want to be happier, so we try to put Jesus into our life. We're going to be more satisfied, so we just try and grab Jesus and see maybe that, add that to everything else, and then we'll get some satisfaction. We get real excited about it for a while, but when trial comes, our faith fades away. The first house Lori and I lived in after we were married, we lived in like a condo apartment, and then we moved into a house, and in the backyard, it was this small little backyard, and there was this cedar fence that the people who had owned the house before us put up and One night there was a storm, and I remember I looked out the back window of our kitchen the next morning, and two of the posts that held up this wooden fence were split top to bottom, and the sections of fence that they held up were laying on the grass in our backyard. And so I went over to the the little plaque that they put on the fence when they installed it, and I called that number, and the the guy came out uh, fairly quickly and was putting in new posts. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, when I first started my fence company 30 years ago, I never replaced any of these cedar posts. But now it makes up a good portion of my business. And we were talking and I said, well, what's changed? How come you never replaced the posts before, but now you're replacing them all the time? And he said, when I first started my company, The cedar trees that they were cutting down had existed for decades, some of them over a hundred years. And the wood was so dense and the trees so mature that when you cut down those trees and made fence posts, it didn't matter what happened to them, they were going to stand firm. But now they quick grow the trees, cut them down and make these fence posts and that these fence posts over time as storms come eventually will split. He said, it's great for my business, but bad for fence owners. And for so many of us, that's how our faith is growing. Rather than our faith growing deep over time, it's something we just get excited about quickly. But then when trial comes, it fades away. And Jesus says, those people are in the crowd. There's a third group in the crowd. And that's the group that allows the word of God to come into their life. But as it grows... The cares and worries of this world and of this life grow with it. And Jesus says, eventually, those things will choke out the faith. And I got to tell you, as I walked through this passage over the last couple of weeks, for me, this is exactly where my heart can lie so often. That yes, I believe that the word of God is true, and yes, I believe that this is the source of life, and I want it to grow deep inside of me, but I also allow the cares of this life and the worries of this life and the desire for security in this life to grow up alongside the word of God in my life. And Jesus is saying to me, and maybe he's saying to you this morning, be careful. Don't live with one foot in the Word of God and one foot in this world, allowing those things to grow together, because eventually, if you're, the world will choke out faith. We went away for a few days this week, and before we left town... I went through the mulch areas in front of our house. We have two little mulch beds in front of our house. And I picked out all the weeds, all the little crabgrass that was growing, all the little trees that weren't supposed to be there that had started to grow. And I picked all of them out. It looked great when we left the other day. And then we were away for a few days and we came back home yesterday and I pulled up in front of my house and I looked in the mulch area and what did I see? All sorts of new weeds had started to grow. It just doesn't stop, does it? They keep coming back. And it's like that in our hearts as well. That you and I have to be vigilant in allowing God to do the work of picking those things out of our lives and out of our hearts. Because if we're not careful, we can let the word of God begin to grow in our hearts and in our lives. But those thorns and thistles, the cares of this world, they continue to spring up right alongside. And then there's a fourth person in the crowd, Jesus says. And that's a person whose heart is good soil. And how do you know that someone's heart is good soil, Jesus says? He says, this is how you know. They hear the word, they hold on to it, and they bear fruit with patience. What does that mean to bear fruit? It means that over time, your life continues to change so that it looks more and more like Jesus himself. So that the consistency between what you believe and what you do gets stronger and stronger. That's what it looks like to bear fruit with patience. But here's the challenge with this is when you think about the shallow soil and you think about the thorns and the thistles and you think about bearing good fruit with patience, one of the challenges is is that it takes time for it to be revealed how the seed is growing in your life. It's not an instant thing. The only thing that's an instant thing is this passage is the one that goes along the path and is stolen by the birds immediately. That's the only thing that's instant. Everything else takes time to reveal itself. And if you want to bear good fruit in your life, if you want your life to reflect what God says to do, if you want to be more and more like the person of Jesus Christ, if you want to be the kind of person that is moving forward, then Jesus says it's not just about showing up, it's about what you take away and how you allow the Word of God to begin to grow in your heart and in your life. And you'll only know as you look back over the years and see how God by His Spirit Has helped you to bear fruit with patience. It takes years for a fruit tree to begin to produce fruit. If we planted an apple tree today, it would be about three to five years before we got good apples off that tree. If we went out and planted a pear tree today, it would be about four to six years before we got good pears off of that tree. And in your life, you and I need to be the kind of people who are consistently allowing the seed of the word of God to implant itself in our hearts and grow deep over time so that over time we become the people that God has called us to be. And we go back to the gardener over and over again and say, God, would you Uh, Would you uproot the thorns and thistles that have grown in my life? Would you come in and would you get rid of the rocks that are threatening to stop the roots from growing deep in my life? And over and over as we come back to the gardener who is Jesus Christ himself and ask him to do that work inside of us, he is faithful to remove the rocky soil. He is faithful to get rid of the thorns and thistles so that the word of God can grow deep. success and growth in your walk with Jesus Christ it can't be measured by the fact that you're here by the fact that you showed up it's best measured Jesus says by how you hear how you listen how you receive, not just the fact that you showed up, but what you're taking away. Are you allowing God's word to grow deep in your life? Are you holding it fast day after day so that over time your life will bear fruit with patience? How's your hearing today? Some of you that are in the room today, some of you that are watching online, today might be the first day that you would give the gospel, that you would give the word of God a hearing. Jesus says himself that what's at stake is whether or not you will be saved, whether or not you will have an eternal relationship with God himself. You owe it to yourself to listen to the word of God and to see if it is exactly what God says it is. The stakes are high. Some of us are are only letting the word grow shallow in our lives. It's something we're excited about, but it's not growing deep. We want instant results. Maybe today's the day that you would ask God to take the rocks out of your heart so that the word could go deep, that it would become something that you don't just listen to once a week, but it becomes something that you daily go to to figure out what God is saying and how to live. Some of you are like me. You need to go to the Lord right now today and you need to ask him to take out those thorns and thistles, those cares of this world that are growing in your life because you're trying to hold the two together and be fully on board with God and what he says, but also make sure that you have everything in line with this world. And Jesus says, be careful that you, keep, you can't have one foot in both. You need to be all in on the life I'm calling you to. And maybe this morning you find yourself in this place and your heart is good soil. Keep going. Keep allowing God to do the work in your life of uprooting those thorns and thistles, of taking out the rocks, of going back day after day after day to his word so that it might grow deep in your life. It's not about whether or not you're here necessarily. It's about once you're here, how are you hearing? How are you receiving? When this seed is cast, how is it falling in your life? I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward as we close out our time together this morning. And I'm going to invite you, if you would, just to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. You have an opportunity today To spend a moment of time between you and the Lord, to ask him to come and do the work. And maybe you'd come to him today and you would say for the very first time, all right, God, I have shut you out. I have not listened to what you say, but today is the day that I will open up my ears and open up my heart and begin to consider whether or not what you say is true that you would seek it out for yourself and begin to read and begin to discover and begin to pray and ask God to show you whether or not this word is exactly what he says it is. Or maybe today's the day that you would come before God and ask him to take the rocks out of your heart, that the word might grow deep inside of you to remove the cares of this world, the thorns and the thistles and the worries that you are holding on to, that they might not choke out the faith that you have. Maybe you'd come before the Lord and say, God, thank you for your grace and mercy that's produced good soil in my heart. God, protect it. Help me to move forward diligently in following you. Father, we come before you this morning recognizing that we cannot create good soil on our own, but we need the grace that comes through Jesus Christ to come and to till that ground, to make it ready for the seed of the word of God to fall. And so Lord, where there are thorns and thistles in my heart and in our hearts, God, we pray that you would take those cares. We give them to you so that your word might grow deep. God, where we have rocks in our hearts that are stopping the roots from growing in our life. God, unearth those inside of us. Help us to be the kind of people who are going back to the seed of your word day after day and allowing its roots to grow deep into our hearts that we might be the people you have created us to be. And I pray it in Jesus' name.